0: blog talk radio
1: it's time for standing on my soapbox the daily rant and radio show we talk about all of the good bad and the ugly of current events join your host Scott Fullerton, and co-host you, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott
2: Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie. Welcome, everyone. It is Friday. We made it to a week of Great Talk Radio I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, along always with my co-host, Mr. Craig Hurley, out of California there. Uh, Give us a call, 347-989-0126. Let us know how your week went, what you think about what happened this week in the news and politics or pop culture. Mr. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you?
0: Good. How are you, sir?
2: This show is literally put together with chewing gum today. I read was a little too ambitious in my driving and just made it out of the Utah mountains. I've been trying to get a signal for 15 minutes. So we're doing wow. now. not a now. I'm making good time, but it's uh, it was a little rough there for a second. I literally was able to call in 52 seconds before the show started and able to get the Internet up to pull you into in the conversation. About 30 seconds into Katie's little spiel. Nice. Uh, we are good to go. How is your day going?
0: It's going good. I'm I'm doing all right. You're mm-hmm. driving all right, though, man?
2: I've had, I'm surprised. Like I said, I've had maybe for this entire 31-hour trip, maybe three to four hours of rain, and that was the only weather I came in contact with, and nothing was horrific. So it's been pretty good. A little bit of traffic now. I'm on 15. I just got on 15 a couple minutes ago here. So uh, I'm about, I would say less than four hours from Vegas. So I'm Sweet. going by a sign right now, 241 miles to Vegas.
0: Yeah, probably like, yeah, like four hours. I about you, um,
2: two. About two days earlier than I thought I'd be there.
0: <laughs> nice.
2: So now I got to look for hotel rooms and everything. That's okay. It's all good.
0: Excellent. On Memorial Day weekend, no less.
2: I know. Vegas I don't know, is is Vegas I don't yes, know if Vegas would be busy on Memorial Day.
0: Yes, Vegas is, is busy this weekend
2: spot or
0: not? Oh, it's always a destination every weekend.
2: I know my friends that live in Vegas are actually going to the lake. They're going to Lake Mead. So I was hoping everyone in Vegas would go out of town, but that's probably the people that live there.
0: Yeah, people that live there are probably going out of town. But dude, you know that's that's a destination for a lot of people. <laughs> Just every weekend. I know a lot of people from Los Angeles that are just like, I'm going to Vegas, just because it's the
2: weekend. Well, I'll I'll probably jack the hotel rooms up, but I could deal with that for a couple days. Oh, well. Um,
0: We do have a lot to talk about, dude, as far as politics are concerned. Um, We currently have the sixth death of a child in ICE detention. Um, and um all of that is perpetrated by number forty five himself, so somewhere in this and that six um, one we
2: just found out about eight months later, or something right
0: yeah, yeah, now and now we have six kids um yeah, that sixth one it's like it happened a while back, and they didn't tell us until now, um so, um, and I'm not sure exactly what the law what the law is on that, but somewhere in this, he should be held. Forty five should be held personally responsible for that. There's six deaths. Unnecessary.
2: Yeah.
0: So. And I think the previous that ten the time, years
2: before this was zero. I think.
0: Yeah, the zero. 10 years. Zero deaths. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's so. Yeah, that is pretty bad, and I'm wondering, you know, why his legal team isn't concentrating on stuff like that. It could be because everybody, you know, at least on the Democratic side, are are and and a lot of Republicans now, not a lot, but a couple, um, are are uh, saying uh, impeachment, and there's a whole bunch of uh, there's the I word. Uh, <laughs> I, I prefer imbecile. I prefer. Ignorance. Um, so, there's other high words that are that are fitting for him as well, um, but uh, ignorance. But we've had a good uh, week.
2: Those are good yeah. words about Mike. We've had a good week as far <laughs> as swear words go. you have been
0: impressed. we? Wow. Yeah. I I I think there hasn't been. Uh, I mean, the show may have been boring, really, really boring yesterday. I do think so. Um, but uh, there's there's been.
2: Hey, oh a... What was that? I mean, the last one, the fifth one, was you've, you've the one that's really weird because he was a 16-year-old boy that died of a flu. How a 16-year-old right. boy dies of a flu, I don't understand. The sixth one happened like eight months ago, and it's actually a girl that had some congenital heart defects, unfortunately, So, uh, and had a tough road to get here. So that one's a little more explainable as far as her death. It's not explainable why it took them eight months to report it to the public, but I'm more interested in why this healthy or otherwise healthy 16-year-old boy dies of a flu in custody. That's a little strange to me.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it, it's not good. It's not good. That's It's definitely not good for, um, you know, people trying to seek asylum in this country and, and then being detained and, and dying. Um, so it's not... It's not good. Um, It's not good for anybody. Uh, uh, But uh, he he yesterday said that he wasn't going to be working with the Democrats unless they stop uh, the Russian investigation, and um, I'm he's not going to be working with them on anything, and not funding anything. I, I I you know I I know the definition of extortion, and that's it. When you're not funding something that you say and not working with somebody because they're not doing things the way you want them done and then and then, and you're under control of that that's extortion until they do what you want them to do which yeah, um, I don't
2: think the guy has a clue what he does I mean you're under investigation for obstruction and you're going to obstruct the country from getting its job done by taking your ball and going yeah. home and not doing anything I don't yeah. understand that um, I,
0: I really don't get it, and his legal teams all over the place, like Giuliani, instead of paying attention to these things that are actually happening, which are um, closed-door meetings about impeachment, um, they're really taking this serious. So, um, you know, and then, and then other meetings about treason. I, dude, it, it, Giuliani's off talking about how Pelosi put out a – it wasn't even Pelosi that put it out there. It was a meme of Pelosi that went out there and it and it was making her sound like she was all drunk because her her words were all flirty and it's actually pretty funny right. if you watch the meme. Um but I, I guess is just too freaking old to figure it out. Uh, you know, I mean <laughs> dude it's a meme and, and it's supposed to be funny and he's like he's actually tweeting and saying, you know, what's wrong with Nancy Pelosi? Is she drunk? And it's, yeah yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. So, you know, it's it, I don't know where where their heads are at, and I think they're really just trying to get out as quickly as possible. But, well hey, Theresa May just quit in the U.K. Theresa May, Prime Minister Theresa May, just quit. So that's what I've been recommending for 45 <laughs> the whole time. I'm like, dude, just quit. Just quit. So that, you know, you exactly. can actually, you know, we won't charge you on any of this stuff. Just quit. So just saying, okay, yeah, I quit. Right. And this whole Pelosi yes. thing is
2: rid- actually ridiculous. I mean, Fox News tweeted it. Rudy Giuliani tweeted it. And that guy has no balls, so he took the tweet down um, because he didn't even let it stand because it was obviously a doctored video, A. B, she doesn't drink. And so he put it up there just to share it, just to embarrass her, I guess. It's like you don't even believe and He took it down after a couple seconds. I mean, have some balls and keep it up there, or say you were wrong. He just, like, puts it up there and takes it down without commenting on it whatsoever. And it's like, I, I don't like those kind of games. Just stand uh, up for yeah, yourself. He, he, you're he, gonna to, uh, yeah, if you're going to try to call gonna, someone out, you're then, gonna then gonna call them out in. and stand by it.
0: Yeah, but he looked like a fool. Because he was like, what's right over there? And then he realized it was a meme, or at least somebody told him it was a meme. He's probably like, a meme? What it's is like, that?
2: And it's not a Why new I playbook. Them? I remember remember the video from last uh, from the election cycle when they were trying to put Hillary falling down in the car and being um, incapacitated yeah. and everything. And yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's not a new playbook. It's something that they liked before. And hey, let's make everything old and new again. I guess, uh, knowing that it's a doctored footage, but they think, right. hey, maybe this, we'll we'll gain points with it. So That's very strange. I don't know understand what the deal. They is. need to
0: be concentrating on they need to be concentrating on other stuff obviously. Okay. Now That's I
2: didn't hear the Theresa May thing. What happened with stepped down as of immediately or what's going on with Yeah,
0: her? yeah, no, Theresa May, yeah, no, she stepped down, she quit. She quit. And so the UK is looking currently looking for a new prime minister and that prime minister should be set in like July 7th within a month. They move pretty quick over there. So, wow. Oh my it takes us a long time to figure shit out.
2: Good for her. for I mean, she hasn't been able to get anything done. I mean, good for her for at least realizing that she's not getting anything done and seeing if someone else can do it. I think it'll actually make her look better in the long run if nobody else can get anything done either, um, because Correct. they're in a tough spot right there right now. So it's yeah, not an easy thing to they're do.
0: Still, they're still back and forth on Brexit, which my mistake just stay with you um and uh you know because because we all have to start working together to dude what is happening over there where are you is there an airplane like literally overhead
2: i'm on the freeway so it could be the car going weird i don't know mm.
0: roll up your windows i man.
2: am on 15 does it sound like i'm under an airport
0: it did sound like you were, yeah, yeah, under an airport or under an airplane. Um, I was but, passing uh, a
2: truck. It might have vibrated through and gave me an echo in here. It passed the truck because I'm a baller. I'm going 84 miles an hour on an 80 mile oh. an hour road.
0: Okay, yeah. well, careful. They will nail you for those one or two miles an hour over. What 80 is not fast enough for you?
2: <laughs> now I, I'm a wind. I'm not like you. I put my I put my um speed check at my uh whatchamacallit, I put my set my cruise control for five miles over and I leave it at right. there. That way no one will get a ticket.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, they usually don't. They usually don't. They usually let you go five miles an hour over. They're looking for people that are actually doing um reckless driving. You know, which is above fifteen miles an hour, fifteen to twenty five. And over the speed limit. So they're looking for people that are doing a hundred.
2: Yep, I'm I'm a, I'm a definitely I use my cruise control all the time. Five miles over the speed limit, city driving, or local driving. And then if it's like this, I'll do it for ten percent over because I can't give you a ticket for ten percent over. So I actually I'm going to set it to eighty-eight here in a second. I'm just going up hills and mountains still. So I'll set my little cruise at eighty-eight and I'll be good to go. But there's a little traffic going into Vegas, so I think it is going to be a little busy in there today.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that, I'll drive that section have of
2: in and out Burger, and I'll be a happy camper. I don't care if I have to sleep in my a car. Lot that, <laughs> a
0: lot of that, a lot of the area of expressway right there and interstate is is heavily monitored. So be careful on your speed in there, dude. Believe yeah, me, I've there too. Believe me, I've gone, I've jammed through there too. Especially when you get to those areas where there's like a hundred miles of nothing go through a couple of those? couple places.
2: Yeah. What oh, else is um, on the inside no, that's to what I, I, today whatsoever? I want to
0: make sure that we started. That's what I was gonna, just going to say. I want to make sure we started with something that's actually, you know, some legit shit that's going on, some politics. Um, and uh, 347-989-0126 if you have any... Anything to talk about, and you uh, want to come stand on this soapbox? That'd be great. Um, but uh, or you know, uh, a reply to our editorial, we um, welcome. Them. Uh, but uh, exactly, um,
2: anything you want to yeah. talk about? Where are you guys going for the weekend? Anyone going to the lake? Anyone got their little skidoos going out there on the water? We'll talk about anything. We have a really. I
0: don't know. I don't know so much because they got to watch out for tornadoes and shit now. So we're <laughs> going to have a whole bunch of messed up weather. Uh, you're shifting to the weather already. Um, I didn't want to talk about the We didn't talk we
2: about, didn't the, talk about uh, the live All in the Family in Jefferson. Did you happen to watch that?
0: No, I didn't. Did not get you did? to see it. No, uh-uh. What ha- What happened with it? Did you see it?
2: I missed, well, I missed it because I time zoned wrong. So I was traveling. Right. It happened Wednesday night. I was in the wrong time zone, so I missed it, but I guess it went really, really well. Overall, Jamie Foxx flubbed one line. It was a live presentation of the two episodes. Um, from what I hear, it went really, really good, though. Overall, um, Jennifer Hudson came out and sang the theme song of the Jeffersons as a surprise. Nice. And I guess she knocked it out of the park, which is very, very cool. And then That's they cool. actually had... Um, Marla Gibbs, they did the very first episode of the Jeffersons. I didn't see what episode they did of all the family. They did the very first episode of the Jeffersons, and uh, in that episode they hire their new maid, and they that had Marla hot. Gibbs come in as the new maid. And Marla Gibbs was the original <laughs> maid in the series. 86 years old, and she was looking like a frickin' champ. Black yeah, don't crack.
0: Katie should good. call. Katie should call in. I don't know if she's listening right now, actually, but she should call in because she just did a pilot um, called The Blexicans. About two years, about two years back, um, they they had a problem. It's the same producers of Empire, and and uh, they just had a problem with getting the series produced. Um so um but Marla Gibbs was in it and Richard Gant was in it and just all of these great great actors and uh and There's um, a
2: single reel Michael, on YouTube it's freaking hilarious.
0: Yeah dude you can see the you can see the trailer on YouTube for the Black and it's really funny. Um Katie play, played one of the one of the leads one of the moms. And, uh, and it's, it's just really, really funny And it's about a uh, uh, black family That marries into a Latino family Or vice versa A Latino family that marries into a black family And how they want things done a certain way Because of their cultures So because of their opposite cultures And, you know, it's, it's really funny stuff So how they want the wedding done And how they want the grandchild raised And, and everything So
2: well, the hilarious was funny as heck. I remember talking to Katie about it a year or so ago, and it was just an amazing stellar cast. And like I said, Marla Gibbs is one of the person in it, but she looked so good in the live show on Wednesday. Um, I saw cool. pictures of the still pictures of it, and she was yeah, surprised a, yet.
0: And she's good. She, she's still uh, very funny. Um, I got to meet her as well, and I you know I got to hang out just a little bit. Uh, Katie got to hang out more with her than I did, um, but because um, she was actually performing with her. Uh, the um, uh, I wish they'd release that, uh, release that. Uh, and and Katie is obviously not listening, otherwise she would have called in already. Um, but uh, I wish they'd release a pilot, so that we could you know actually see it because <clears throat> it's a good pilot and it's funny a lot of funny stuff and it's a combination of uh kind of all in family and the Jeffersons kind of like kind of like what they just did live dude you sound like you're you got your windows down again or air conditioner blown up whenever I so. change
2: the phone I, I had to turn the phone a different direction so I could do a song in 10 minutes and whenever I have the song the I, phone a certain way I get airport mode for some reason
0: okay well that's it
2: just better now because I'm kind of yeah, for some now. reason when I hold it upside down It's good when I put it right side up Then it sounds like I'm in a tunnel
0: well, I then don't know don't, then, then you know hold it upside down You know don't I know but I can't right read, read
2: and I was trying to look for songs <laughs> I have to look at it To see if there's any callers I'm Trying to look for callers
0: nice. too Nice But yeah it's full. Marla's Marla Gibbs Is still I mean she's like what 80, 80 Wow she's be 87 Right She's so yeah. old, and, and that's what that's what a, the thing about actors is that we can do a job anytime, any time, uh, all the way up until we're dead. So uh, we can, you know, we we can do that job. And I I know uh, I wrote about and worked with an actress in Chicago. I did a play called Levitation uh, with Fern Persons, and I know I've mentioned her before. Um, she was 102 when she died, um, and she was 99 years old doing a kind of "I've fallen, I can't get up" commercial. Uh, but 99 years old, on in wow. her bed, in her bed, doing it. You know, they filmed the commercial in her in her uh, apartment, sorry, in her condo, and, uh, and uh, hey, we can we can do this forever. You know, until, like I said, and, and with CGI, shit, we can go on. So, you know, I can take my face now and, and kind of imprint it on anything. So, hey, it sounds like you're driving through a
2: tunnel agenda. Yep. All right. I think we're good. This guy's reading a message. That we're going to have a <laughs> really special. do you think we're good. Yes. I had to look right side up to see if we're getting another caller, because I think we're getting another caller here in a second.
0: Okay.
2: Oh, the wonders of live radio on the road, right? Hello. Yeah. There we go One of these days We'll have our, all of our stuff together Okay We'll get more
0: So Are we going to a song Or are we getting a caller What's happening I don't have to the caller Let's quick. go
2: ahead and go to a song and then okay. we, I think we're going to have I
0: did want to mention That Mexico City is not doing Very well right now they are under a tremendous amount of smog because of the fires that are around there. Fires that All are right, absolutely we'll unnecessary. We'll
2: talk about weather when we get back. Yeah. Call the call when we get back. Guys, you're listening to my Night Soapos. Give us a call in the second half, 347-989-0126. This is Blair St. Clair. Every
0: day is a busy tone
2: hear it, cause it's
0: calling by your voice, unknown, gotta filter, it's all for show, you believe it, but you never really know, I know, and you're never gonna
3: see. 'Cause I know you're real. Good.
2: Four seven ninety nine zero one two six. So we have a special guest caller. Miss Katie Barberia, how the heck are you?
1: I'm so good. I'm so good. We're so excited that you're headed to the West Coast. That is wonderful news.
2: It's going to be drawing Four weeks fun. of excitement. I'm looking forward oh, to it. I'm going to let you and oh Craig talk about uh, all this fun stuff because you actually work at Marley Gibbs. I'm going to let you guys on the line. I'm going to try to get my phone situated. So go for it, guys.
1: Well you know, I, I, I worked with uh I worked with a gentleman by the name of Rick Najera who uh wrote a fantastic play called Latinologs, uh sometime back. He wrote that, I, oh my god, a good uh fifteen years ago or twenty years ago and it was it's something like the vagina monologues and that it's a bunch of vignettes and some of them are vignettes and others are, 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 uh, are monologues, but it's about the immigrant struggle, male and female, child, uh, older person, everyone, the immigrant struggle. And Rick is actually third-generation immigrant to this country. He, speaks, he actually speaks very little Spanish. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a gringo dude from, from San Diego, but he really is tapped into the immigrant struggle in the United States. And uh, and and so he, he he wrote this fantastic play called Latino Logs, and I had desperately wanted to be a part of it, but the timing just never happened and never happened. And then eventually he wrote a play called Sweet 15 Quinceanera that he was going to be doing at the San Diego uh, Rep. And he called me and he said, I'd like you to audition for the role of my wife and then various other roles that they were going to be doing in the play. Uh, I played like five roles, but the the, the the biggest one was as his wife. And it was a very, very funny play. It was brilliant. It was uh, insightful, but it was still very light. And it was done at the San Diego Rep, and I did book it. And I did the show with him, and it's thanks to him that I got my equity card. And I worked with Carlo Demore on, uh, on that play, who is another fantastic actor and playwright as well. And then quite a few years went by, and we didn't uh, we didn't work together again. I believe that was in 2006. And then he called me. I was doing the fourth season of Every Which Way for Nickelodeon in Miami, and I was very sad because for the first six weeks of the shoot, the kids were going to be on location in the Everglades. I was not sad not to be in the Everglades. That was fine with me. Because yeah, that, was-
0: that really would have. I don't mean to interrupt um, because you're telling the story beautifully. Uh, That's why I haven't, I haven't said anything. Um, But yeah, I, I wasn't looking forward to Katie filming in the Everglades either. No, Uh, nobody wants to film in the Everglades.
1: No, no one wants to film in the Everglades. And and
0: Florida gives these, not even the the TV show, The Glades. (laughs) No, not even they want to film
1: in the Everglades, and they give incentives for filming in different parts. Florida does, at least at at the time they still did, for filming in different parts of Florida. And one I of those is the Everglades. I don't even know if they give those now. They may not, but at the time they did, and so Nickelodeon Florida's went for really that incentive. That. I think, I think they went for that incentive, and that's why these kids were going to be shooting for six weeks in the Everglades, which was just. Horrifying for everybody, and Leonard Yeah, it's like a, a point, it's like a three point.
0: It's like a three point five million dollar tax incentive for for yeah. production companies to film in the Everglades. But
1: I was very sad because I wasn't going to be shooting with them for the first six weeks, and I was just kind of. I mean, I was on location. I was in the in the in the hotel apartment thing that they had put us in, which was lovely. And I'd see them every night when we'd finish, and I had a lot of free time, and you know, go to the gym and whatever. And we were just hanging out, um, but. But, but But yeah, I was very sad that I wasn't filming, and Rick contacted me and said, "I want you to do this pilot for me in Chicago, and I want you to play my wife again, different story, different show called the Blexicon, and I was like, well I, when he said you'd leave now, you'd leave like the next day you and Craig need to be in Chicago you know tomorrow or day after tomorrow we'll close the deal and we'll get you out there and I thought, well, I mean, I had the shooting schedule, and I knew Uh, that I wasn't going to be needed at Nickelodeon at all. So I played hooky, and we got it. Craig and I got on a plane. They flew us first class. It was fantastic, and we went to Chicago to shoot this pilot. I had only read the script, and I was the matriarch and, and done the deal and got everything ready, and I was the matriarch of the Mexican family. And it was that the daughter in the Mexican family played beautifully by Vanessa Vasquez, Vanessa who played my daughter, and uh, the, the young uh, African American, who's a brilliant young actor whose name I'm, I is escaping me because I, I really I, I didn't work with him too much on the set, but I'll, I'll come up with his name in a second. Anyway, not he Michael, played the African. Michael Collier. No, Michael Collier was the uncle. Anyway, right. um, he played – I'll find it he, – he played the son of, of, of a well-to-do African-American family, and, and Vanessa was the daughter of a, a well-to-do Mexican family, and they get married. And, and so it's this I can't think of that
0: guy's name either.
1: Race war I'll, – I'll find it. Um, it was this race war um, between these families. I don't, I don't know if it was so much race, More of and culture, I say this a lot. A culture, it was, it was culture a culture war. war. And sure. you know how things should be done according to an africa a well to do African American family as opposed to how things should be done according to a well to do Mexican family and mm-hmm. the obvious clashes that were happening with the wedding and all those things. It was very funny and if you go on YouTube, you can see the promo for it um, but i I arrived in Chicago and they had such a tight shooting schedule for that week that i we went directly from remember, craig we didn't even, we didn't even get to go to the hotel Directly to um
0: you kind of you kind of broke up there. What did you, you say?
1: Oh, I mean, we, maybe it was we, me. we went directly to the we went directly to the set for wardrobe. There was right. no time for us to do anything else. And it was yeah. I remember it, I, I remember knew...
0: sitting sitting by the elevator for was it was it for that wardrobe fitting or for maybe the reading? Maybe when you guys no, it was for wardrobe. No,
1: no, it and I was sitting thing. I was when sitting by the there, elevator
0: the and. And Marla Gibbs walked out of the elevator, and you just—you
1: just ruined everything. You just ruined everything. Oh, so ruined everything. oh so my sorry. God, you I... just ruined everything. <laughs> okay, so I was—I I knew that I was—I knew I'm that so uh, Rafael Agustin was one of the writers, along with who was, and and act
0: uh, African American director. Maybe it's me.
1: Was going to um, was going to be the director, Pretty and uh, Johan Jones. Johan Jones right. played Carl Jr., who was Gabriela's uh, husband, young husband in the show. Okay.
0: Yeah. But
1: that's all the information I had.
0: No, I didn't who's know. Who's director?
1: Bill Duke. That's yeah. all the information I had. Well, I'm sitting yeah, I next know. to like, the elevator. That's not
0: information enough. This is the dude. Yeah, that, that's in that's in Terminator. Oh right?
1: God, yeah. No, I was yeah. already terrified of that. But out walks out of the elevator walks
0: Richard Gant
1: and out of the elevator walks, uh, uh, Michael Collier. And these are fantastic, very, very well-known African-American actors. And, and I thought, and I, and I was like, are they in this show? Because I knew I was playing the lead. I was playing one of the leads. I was playing the, the Mexican matriarch and I started to get weak in the knees. And then Marla Gibbs walks out of the elevator. I had no idea Marla Gibbs was in this show. And uh, and then I, I literally lost my footing. Like my knees just, just went out from underneath my body. And I thought, yeah, I all, oh, my yeah, God,
0: I, I had better be funny in the reading tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you but were one funny of the in the reading. You, you guys were all funny in, in all of that. I mean, I heard very little of it um, because I wasn't allowed in the room. But um, you guys were all really funny, from what I could hear outside. And well, thank
1: you, my love. Well, the thing is, is that uh, the shoot went beautifully. There was apparently some internal squabbling with that show, and that is why it never got to fruition. But, um, but, it, but you can go on and you can see the promo on YouTube. And the thing that was so upsetting for us, I think, as a the cast, the name of the show was is, was... The
0: is the Blexicans. the Blexicans? The Blexicans. Yeah. yeah. That's the that. Blexicans
1: yeah. and you can go on YouTube and, and and see the promo for the Blexicans and it was it was it was a great it was a great offering, and I think it would have been a great show about race relations and handling it with humor and what have you, but it just didn't happen. But the thing that was most upsetting for ask, us,
0: the cultures combined, you know, how, how the cultures combined combine. yeah. Oh, Scott's back in. It sounds like he. Well, the um, thing
1: that the thing that, that <laughs> really bothered us the thing that really bothered us was that we had Marla Gibbs in this cast and that Marla Gibbs, I think she was 84 at the time. And we thought, well, how much longer are we going to have her with us? Why aren't you guys taking advantage of this fantastic opportunity? And I was just so thrilled to hear. I have not seen the live versions of of the Jeffersons and All in the Family yet, but I was so thrilled to hear that Marla was received I saw I saw her entrance into the show and it was live, so it was live with a live studio audience. She was that had to have been an ovation. There was so much cheering. And my heart was just filled with joy to hear her being uh, to hear her being ovationed and to hear her being honored in the way that she deserved. She was a complete sweetheart, one of the most still professional actresses that I've ever worked with and just lovely on the set, her daughter Angela equally lovely and just beautiful human beings and I was so sorry that the show didn't continue forward because the opportunity to continue to work with her would have been, you know, an absolute, an absolute joy. But it was not. It was not meant to be. I am so thrilled that she got that she was honored in the way she deserved to be honored on on that live show last night, and that she got to work with the likes of Jamie Foxx, and and uh, and and Jamie Foxx actually uh, posted on Instagram today the most beautiful tribute to her. Uh, where he said that his eyes welled up with tears just to see her walk onto the set and be the great professional that had walked into everyone's lives 40 years ago uh, doing the Jeffersons. So for me, it is extraordinary to see this lovely woman be honored in the way that she was. I just thought it was fantastic.
2: Yeah, it got a lot of accolades, and uh, Jack Kay reprised her role, and uh, I guess Wanda Sykes did really good. I want to see Wanda Sykes' Netflix special. I guess it's supposed to be really, really good. She has a brand new. She's show. very funny. But, she
1: is very. Funny. I love her. Very, very funny. So, um, I yeah, I'm 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 thrilled. I'm I'm thrilled that uh, I'm thrilled that that uh, Marla got that got that recognition. She absolutely deserves it on every level. Scott, you we
2: are the trip so going to hear talk to each other. We got to create our own new radio show called Outside the Actor Studio and have Craig step all over your lines. And just hear the back door of Hollywood gossip—that would be fun. I want to hear that. Step all over
1: my lines. Well, he can. We <laughs> I, we can barely hear each. Other. No one has a good connection today. So, I uh, not not that he doesn't interrupt me all the time because he does, but at least at least uh, at least at this at this moment he has a meager defense, which is that nobody can hear anybody. But uh, we will we will plow forward. So I wanted to talk about something else.
0: Oh.
1: So one of my uh, one of my dearest childhood friends, Christy. Swanson, I was going to say,
0: are you really mentioning a? Wow, we're going to stop her because I was just looking at my notes and there is snow in Rowling, Wyoming, at the end of May. Just wanted to read sure. There is snow
1: in Raleigh, Wyoming. Well, I will do anything <laughs> to avoid yet another weather report. I will at do anything to avoid At the uh, end of May, Katie Barbery. I, I, I am. I am. I'm just. I will. I'll talk about Christy Swanson. I'm sorry. So here's what happened. Uh, Christy Swanson was a dear childhood friend of mine, and she uh, is a conservative about her as Republican. Well. She's a conservative Republican, which she has every right to be. Um, she goes kind of against the grain of the entertainment industry for uh, having those political affiliations. Because as we know, and it's just a fact, it's not a, it's not a criticism one way or the other. It's just a fact most of the industry is very liberal. But I know Christy's family. I, 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 I stayed a lot at Christie's house. We were like sisters uh, when we were teenagers. And they are a very conservative Christian family. Um, I didn't know that she was necessarily going to go in that direction as she got older, as a as as uh, you know being as as much of a Republican supporter as she is, but that's absolutely 100% her right. And I just did a, a podcast the other day called Splat from the Past, uh, which uh, this gentleman does this show about uh, 80s 80s shows and 80s icons and what have you, and I talked about. The reason why I was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and it was because of Christy Swanson. I was actually just on the set visiting her that day to have lunch, and they put me in the movie. So I have a lot of memories with Christy. I loved Christy very much. We were we were good friends, and we're still in contact on social media. I hope to see her coming up here very shortly. But you know, she has her uh, uh, political beliefs and her uh, affiliations, and 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 they differ a lot from most of us. You know, as as we've as we've. Uh, uh, as we're hanging out together still on Facebook, I'd say Christie and Scott Schwartz, uh, who was uh, famously in the toy with with uh, Richard Pryor. He played the kid. Um, they' they're very conservative um, Republicans, and I, I, you know th- th- they they have every right to that political affiliation. But as it turns out, Christie is apparently doing a play in Los Angeles with Dean Kane. And it's about two of the inve- if I understood this right, it's about two of the investigators Superboy. in the Russia probe. What? S- Hello. Now nobody can talk.
0: Superboy.
1: Superboy. You can't yes, hear you me. Superboy.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I Superboy. can. Superboy. 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 Exactly. I, is is Craig, doing Craig a, a play with, with Christie's present.
1: Superboy is doing a, a no, play with No, I have a
0: Christy's I have content. a story about Gerard Christopher, who nobody's ever heard of. Um oh. he he was playing like young Superman or something on one of the T V series at the time. Okay, but you're not letting me finish
1: my story. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. So so All right. Christy and Dean Kane are doing a play together and apparently um this play is about two of the investigators in the Russia probe and an affair that they had, if I understood what I read correctly. Anyway, uh, an, an anti-Trump uh, supporter apparently tweeted something along the lines of, I'm going to shut all the doors to the theater and set it on fire. And wow. Christie took this as a, as a death threat. Wow. And so now uh, critics are saying, uh, uh, you know, the, the liberal press is saying that, the producer is using these death threats in order to get funding for the play. Apparently, he needed yesterday. I think if my numbers were correct, he needed $150, $150,000. Sorry, not $150, $150,000 uh, for the, to to get the play off the ground the way he wants to. And he had right. collected seven thousand. So they're in the news because apparently she, she took this as a as a death threat, which you know it's not a nice thing to see on Twitter. Well, if, hey, I'm no, gonna no no no
0: it's it's you. You know, it's a death threat if it was done legitimately. If, it, if that is a terrorist threat to to its domestic terrorism, to lock the doors of well, the, the place is, and set it on do? fire while people are inside of it. But right, if it was done, if it was done by the producer who is producing the play in order to get people, in order to get some controversy around it, because you know we've seen a whole bunch of people lately, um, no, uh, you know, pulling off sorts of publicity stunts. Including yeah, number no,
1: forty-five. So, go ahead. Um, so, so the play is called uh, FBI Lovebirds, and it's apparently about two investigators in the Russia probe who had an affair. And right. Christy is complaining that the tweet has now been taken down, but that the account has not been banned from Twitter. So the account most probably is not the producer's account or a fake right. account but rather somebody whose account they investigated and someone who's anti-Trump and who did uh, apparently make these death threats. There's no reason at this point to well, think then, that it's Then that,
0: that person that person is already being investigated. So you yeah. shouldn't worry about it and just go on with your art is what I'd say. Let's see this oh, pro right. Trump play. Wow, I can't believe I actually yes said we all
1: we all want to see it, we all want to see it, and I can't wait to see her in it, but apparently it was uh it, it's you know you can't be tweeting things like that either i mean you know there's always there's always uh,
0: well, that's a threat. it needs to be that's that's punishable you know that person he or she will be in jail for for doing that
1: exactly i mean there's always people making both sides look bad, aren't there. Yep. There's always people making both sides look bad. Um, so we wish Christy the best and, and, and a, a, a healthy, calm uh, um, rehearsal period for this play and that they don't continue. She's, she's at the end of the day, she's expressing her, her, her views uh, through art as we express our views through art. And everybody's yep. views have to be respected. Uh, as they are expressed artistically, whether we agree with them or not. So, you know, we don't tweet that we're going to kill anybody or set anybody on fire because they don't agree with our point of view or we don't agree with their point of view. That's not okay. You don't scare the actors. It's scary enough to get on stage without thinking that they're going to set the theater on fire. Um, so it's uh, you know I, I just wanted to make that statement in Christie's defense because uh, apparently it was a real threat and apparently this was a real account and uh, it's not okay you know I, we I may not agree with her point of view you may not agree with her point of view whatever but 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 you know you can't be doing that you just can't be doing that. It's not like you're in uh, a
0: concert, it sounds. You've got like rock and roll musical on uh, Sounds like you got the windows. <laughs> no, exactly. You
2: know what it is? You're in a convertible.
0: Are you in a convertible? Is that the Are deal? You in a it's a big gay road I'm so trip right
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a convertible across country today. Uh, I'm in my little uh, Fiat Spider like. with the top down right now. So I thought <laughs> I'd
1: uh, have a little. <laughs> hey, <laughs>
0: that's what it sounds that's like. I say? Travel light. It could be the air conditioner. Hey. Or down again and, you know, it try to talk get, into it, it, it like it's a, like it's just a walkie-talkie or a... That There's only 10 minutes left,
2: to... so you guys find something to talk about for 10 minutes, I'll mute myself again.
0: No, okay. okay. I mute so, no, so actually when I have... you talk, it's all right.
1: It's, okay. So I have another he piece of himself. news. That's sad. That combined, in, did. But, but he's the boss. He can mute himself if he wants
0: to. True. <laughs>
1: He certainly mutes us when he needs to, so he can mute himself. Absolutely. I never
0: – you never need to mute me. What are you talking about?
1: No, of know, course I'm not.
0: Muted. It I'm isn't sorry. in
1: my prayers every night that I be granted one of those mute buttons, just, just, oh, a, wow. just, just a metaphorical of the mute button. <laughs> it's
0: because of the things I say in my
1: sleep. <laughs> so, so my you know, my against about, you. What?
0: You know it's never in my anything against you.
1: No, it isn't anything no, I was I don't necessarily need the mute, mute button for when you're asleep. I'm I'm good when you're asleep.
0: Really? You need it for when <laughs> I'm awake. That's exactly.
1: Awesome. But not right now, my love. Know. Right now you can express yourself any way you like and I'll be one hundred percent supportive. Oh, um like nine so minutes. Did you hear about Johnny C?
0: Mm, yeah, and that he was not standing for the uh, um, uh, national anthem. He was and, at a Chicago Cubs,
1: Cubs game. We know, right. we know Johnny C. I've I've known Johnny C. Now, like, this is John Cusack.
0: He was he was rich. Um, I actually went to high school. I went to the Chicago Academy for high school, and he attended for about a half a second. Um, he was only there for a little. Because uh, he was an extremely busy teenager, dude was doing like three movies a year then. Yeah, so um he's had know, a very successful extremely. career and
1: he's worked hard. And so is yep. his sister. His sister yeah. Joan is the yeah, bomb, Jones. dude.
0: Yeah, she's pretty amazing.
1: She's but anyway, amazing. Go ahead. Well, so he was. So we know he's a. Uh, he, we know he's a Chicagoan. We know he's very proud. And, and uh, intense Chicago Cubs fan. And we know him to be a staunch Democrat, or at least I always have. Um, I remember one night we were all supposed to get together and he had to bow out because he was having dinner with Bill Clinton. And so he contacted me, and he said, "While I I don't find him anywhere near as attractive, um, I I do think he has a couple of things to say." So I thought that was very funny, and I was like, "All right, well, we'll see each other another time." And he's always been he's always been you know a a, a really cool guy and a, and a good friend whenever we've had the opportunity to run into each other. And they're their crew. They're t- John McGinley and 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 uh, a, a, a few different actors that are Conrad Goody that are in this. Um, group of actors that hang out together um and and really nice guys and and gentlemen and and you know for me it was doing all of these telenovelas um it was it was really nice to hang out with 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 some people some actors from la at that point in in my life when when mm-hmm. i met them all because i met them at uh, sammy so Sosa's a whole bunch State of people
0: party. that didn't understand spanish and and that were just kind of fumbling around and and speaking English the whole time. So it was yeah, no, to, and, and interested and interested
1: in and interested in some of my girlfriends. So I served as right. what would be known as the interpreter, and we talked about making a movie out of it. It was hilarious. Um, but the the point being is that Johnny C is known as a, as a staunch Democrat. He's very very vocal um, about his his political affiliations and and how he feels. Uh, politically, and it's always been uh, very important to him. Anyway, he was at a Cubs game, and apparently he didn't he didn't stand up for the national anthem fast enough to suit everybody, um, and and so he got all these uh, people on his back. I think on Twitter, which is the, the you know the, the the hate communication of choice these days, and he shot back at them, and he said, "I did stand up. Uh, I just didn't stand up fast enough to suit you, like I'm a pet." I did stand up eventually, and this is bullshit. You do not support troops more than I do by standing right. up for the
2: national anthem. Well, right.
1: as we know, as some of us know, as not all of us know. Katie said the a naughty knee,
2: word. Katie's the first person said a naughty word. It wasn't us, Craig. I'm going to, to Hey,
1: I was what quoting John Cusack. Uh,
2: oh. <laughs> I didn't That's even realize
0: that you're, you're just now. That um, was
1: a quote that does not, not count. When you I I wasn't quoting somebody.
0: I don't know. I have I've tried to you know not quote um, Bill Nye. Bill Nye said that our planet well, the planet Earth Bill is Bill Nye went off
1: with some F-bombs F-bombs on fire are insane.
0: Yeah, he was talking bombs all over the place last week.
1: Yeah, no no no. It's John Cusack tweeted back, um, I'm going to say it a different way. He said that's bullpucky. I I but he didn't say that. Well, he was he uh,
0: no, we've been we've been saying shit. I've been saying shit. I thought you dropped dropped an F bomb just now. I did not. Would I did F-bomb.
1: not, and I stand and I stand by my decision because well, it was a quote. It was a period. direct quote. Anyway, we all know that for some of us you
0: just drive by Scott. I I would say that that's not a swear word.
1: <laughs> so I so 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 what's the point? The point that I'm trying to make, because I actually do have one, is that some of us are aware that the act of taking the knee in protest was not an act against the troops or against the
0: not at all on any not, an, not an act against the troops or the flag. Well, yes, no. the flag. Um, yes, the flag. No, not the flag. It is yes,
2: and and the national
0: anthem no. itself was. I don't know if you, if everybody knows this. But they need to. It was written by Francis Scott Key. Okay, the national anthem once again was written by Francis Scott Key. He in his writings and in his poetry out to say
1: is that it was, was written by Francis Scott Key.
0: Yeah, it was it was written by Francis Scott Key. Um, he uh, he he wrote it, he, he wrote things in farce. He was sarcastic. And um, uh, Land of the Free and Home of the Brave is actually a question. It's not a statement. Um, he was he was questioning how many free individuals actually are here. Is is what the question is because you know, we, we we used an awful lot of things. And at the time that it was written, so um, the the bill of the United States. You know, wow. We do, we
1: just did not understand anything that you just said now. But what, but what you're saying is that there was some sarcasm behind his words. Just a lot as lot said that, Right, just as it is said that there's a lot of sarcasm behind Michelangelo, Michelangelo's paintings. Uh, it, uh, you know, He in, in, in was a very sarcastic artist, art,
0: artist as well. But
1: exactly. Francis Scott Keys, so, who
0: wrote the, the uh, national anthem, it was a question. It was, land of the free is a question. It's not a statement. Mm-hmm. So by kneeling... By kneeling, like guys like Colin Kaepernick, by kneeling, what he's doing is saying that the the the, the song itself and the sergeant Destroy represent a country that doesn't he is a part of, and that he needs to be a part of because he's a you know he's in the National Football League. I mean, you know, he's on a, on a on a big level as far as what people can become in this country. How it can be well, very well. How, so, so how, how doing what they want to do is actually a success. So my so,
1: understanding slavery is So my and,
0: understanding, and so my inter- so my
1: sorry, understanding sorry. of the act of, of, of taking the knee, my understanding of it was that it was in in several uh, athletes' opinion, the only way that they could get national attention right. about or against the violence against unarmed black men by police in the United States.
0: That originally was was, was that he, he was trying to trouble uh that many unarmed men being and it's still it's still happening. I mean the limpings were not early on in, in our, you know, in the 18th century and 19th century, and even with the civil rights in the 1960s, um, we still have all of this happening in 2019. And this was, happening like was what, three or four years ago. So we're talking 2016 or 2018. And, and you know, he's one of the first guys that actually just brought it to light that there are too many unarmed black men getting shot by police. And part of that, I've actually talked to a number of, of people and one in particular uh, um, that I know that are in the, in the police full and, uh, and I'm asking them uh, why is this actually happening? And uh, their, their comments to me are that it really comes down to the police officer. It really comes down to the individual on almost all of these cases. He goes, when I roll up to a scene, I, I, I look at the scene and I'm like, okay, am, am I good? Can I handle this by myself or any, he, he said nine times out of 10, I put my truck in reverse and I go back out a block and I call in a whole bunch of other people so that I'm not there alone handling a situation that I think can get out of control. Right. They can become, I'm, they can uh,
1: become my... violent unnecessarily, but yeah. too many people, yeah. too many people interpret the taking the knee with the flag. As number one, you are allowed to to you are allowed to pay reverence to the flag by getting on one knee or by or by oh, getting yeah. on that,
0: two knees. No, that's actually it's respect for the flag. It you is, are allowed getting to down do that. on that's one knee, That's of part the, of the flag code.
1: Yes, that is that is an accepted form <laughs> of of, it's of, it's of Donovan, paying homage, of paying homage uh, holding to the flag.
0: Horizontally, however, is a violation of the flag code, which they have done nearly every football game I've ever seen so exactly. holding it horizontally is a violation oh, it's, it's just the, it's, it's not, the not the
1: about it's not about when these african american uh, gentlemen uh athletes and their and and eventually uh their their um their uh coworkers and,
0: and their and their coaches their teammates and you know, a whole bunch of people Yeah,
1: and including fans,
0: it's only it's only certain fans that are actually and actually going against anybody who's currently new. Right, and it's
1: and and the thing is, when they did this, they did not mean to. They did not mean to. uh, (laughs) What are you listening to to
0: over there? Like, it sounds like Kiss. It sounds like actually Mickey Six. It sounds like. What are you listening to over there? Because you're not listening to us. Every time you come in, it sounds I like am. This. I'm Forget having
2: it. fun Sponsor. listening to the back and forth of this. This is too much. Unfortunately, we only have a minute and a half left, so I'm, oh, I'm bummed. Uh, finish this it up, a good
0: conversation. finish it up,
2: Katie. Well, um, you know,
1: we we all we all, uh, com- we all completely respect the troops. We are we are eternally thankful to the troops for their work, and I want to wish everybody a happy memorial, a happy and safe Memorial Day. Uh, weekend, and I, and and i wanted I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about these athletes and what they're actually trying to get attention about. Nobody's uh, defacing or defaming or disrespecting the work of the troops. I think that that is one of the one of the only um, aspects of our, of our government that we are all in agreement with as Republicans and Democrats, and that is that these these people that step in to defend the United States of America on whatever whatever level, they are asked to do so, whether whether or not we agree with the policies, are are you know individuals that are to be honored and revered for the job that they're doing, and I think that everybody yeah, and, agrees with that. And, and I wish we could them, all be on the same page. Thank them when you that. when
0: you see them out there this Memorial Day, you know, and, and the different people that you that you know in your life uh, that are a part of the armed forces. Uh, thank them, you know, and 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 let's remember that what this day is actually about, and it's in memoriam of the Fallen soldiers. So we have, uh, you know, we really have to uh, pay attention to that as well. I've got a cousin, Richard Wiley, who is in action in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm My love, I don't know how to tell you
1: this, but he's not missing in action.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he's presumed that. Uh,
2: Uh, Well, we we will leave that for another day, guys. Thanks for standing on my soapbox. We're going to replay okay, Ashley. Ashley's got uh, cut off halfway through, so we're going to do another episode of The Q coming up here in just a second. Have a very happy, safe, from world of like Craig and Katie said. Please take a fellow service, but if you see him out and about. Guys, thanks for sending my soapbox this week. I appreciate it. We love you. Peace. Hey. Love you guys, too. We'll look for you. And uh, coming up, The Q with Ashley in just about 30 seconds. Be careful on the road, Joe.
3: Hello and welcome to the Left of Straight show. The last couple of Wednesdays, the interns have been taking over a time slot a week and this time you'll be hanging out with me. I'm Ashley and this is your preview of my upcoming podcast, The Q, a show dedicated to bringing you the latest in all things news and entertainment with a queer twist. Let's get started because this black lesbian fangirl has so much queued up for you. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about me before we get started, my name is Ashley Durham. I hail from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I live and work. And I came to Left Up Straight um, earlier this year as an aspiring podcaster who's looking to make something of her own. So hopefully this goes well and we don't mess up Scott's show too much. (laughs) Today I'm joined by my uh, best friend and co-host for the day, Caroline Lippel. Caroline, say hi to the
4: people. Hi, people. And also, tell a little bit about, like, why you're here. Like, why are you joining me today? Well, number one, because I am your best friend of mm-hmm. almost a decade, and I would probably say yes to anything you asked me to do. That's true. That's true. Um, but also, because we have some great conversations about all things, queer culture, pop culture, mm-hmm. all the things. And I guess we thought that it would be a great opportunity to have me on to talk and just get to share a little bit of our friendship with you and our opinions on all things like you. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and we're also both here, and this just,
3: I think, kind of goes without saying, but we are both um, family, as some of us put it. Uh, Caroline and I both identify as members of the queer community. So if you are listening, and that is why you will tune into Less of Straight, just know you're talking with family this episode. Uh, and, of course, we are going to be welcoming allies in the future as well. So that's always something to look forward to. Currently, my cat is chewing, is chewing
4: on all of the wires. If you want to know how big <laughs> yes. this podcast recording really is.
3: It features a whole ass cat. There's a whole so, ass
4: cat fucking show yes, up in the background. Literally
3: <laughs> chewing up all of like my connection wires that I have here. So we're going to take just a little bit of a break and get reset for the uh, first segment of the week, uh, which is basically breaking news. Welcome back to The Left of Straight Show. We're back here with your preview of The Q. Uh, First, let's start off with breaking news. As most people who follow television know, it is now TV Upfront season, and The CW, I mean, they dropped quite the banger for for this Sunday, uh, the fall lineup. Uh, Any fans of Supergirl know that Supergirl's been kind of living at the eight o'clock time slot. We love it, Uh, trans people love it, uh, with the character Dreamer, and we've had Alex as a queer, uh, not superhero, but definitely super person. Uh, on the uh, show representing us. But now, the CW is debuting a brand new character in the form of Kate Kane, canonically gay, we love her, played by Ruby Rose. How excited are we about this? The <laughs> most. <laughs> As somebody who is very thirsty for Ruby Rose, I will let how live. do you
4: feel? I Let me live. Um, I am feeling all of my Ruby Rose oats in this moment. Mm. Um, it has been... Well, would you like to tell everybody how you alerted me to this trailer?
3: Sure, sure. So I myself am a big superhero fan. Like I follow most of the Arrowverse with Supergirl and The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, But I'm just a fan of superhero stuff. Uh, But when I saw, well, when I initially heard Ruby Rose was going to be a part of this, I did let you know. know. I did with some articles. I even told you about the crossover, which, did you watch Elseworlds? No. Okay, that's fine, because she's only in one episode, so like I'm not, I'm not going to uh, you know punish you for that. But um, I did send you this trailer via Twitter when it dropped, so that you could see
4: with your own eyes. And you know how I responded? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm feeling very attacked right now. I you did. I was attacked in that <laughs> moment by that trailer. Sure, sure. I have a feeling this show was specifically designed, with me in mind, or at least cast, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have some strong feelings, so we <laughs> can get
3: into them. <laughs> sure, sure, but let's talk about that, because as a non-superhero fan, follower, it's not that you don't like superheroes, like, let's right. be clear about that, but you're also not somebody who follows them as di- diligently as, you know, the next exactly. fan girl. Exactly. So you think you're going to be watching Batwoman in the fall. Why is that? What's pulling you towards this
4: character? I I'm not your typical... Superhero, comic book, Marvel, Avengers fan. You know, I put I, all and I'll pay attention um, to what's going on. And, you know, I did, of course, see the newest Avengers movie. Sure. And, sure. you know, I try to stay up on what's going on. But I don't necessarily love superheroes mm-hmm. in the way you, my best friend, love superheroes. Sure. You sure. know, I'm not decked out in Wonder Woman Fire mm-hmm. constantly and Supergirl this and Wonder Woman that. So I think it's just. um it's, Different experience for me to be watching this trailer as somebody who's not as into superheroes, but as somebody who also identifies as a bisexual female and definitely is attracted to Ruby Rose. Um, So, I guess, kind of to start, the theme of women's empowerment in the trailer is extremely overt. It's extremely Mm -hmm. overt, Mm -hmm. maybe a little over the top. But I love it. You know, as somebody who is a woman, as somebody who for the first time is getting to see a queer, masculine-presenting lesbian on TV in a leading role, Mm -hmm. I'm there. Absolutely. I have to support that.
3: Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I almost paused you for a second because Mm -hmm. um, you said like the words like, first, female, and I went... Supergirl's been here the whole time, like, but there is something to say about that, because, like, their headlining queer character, Alex Danvers, is not the centerpiece of the show, even though, like, Kyler Lee could carry that Mm -hmm. show on her own. Luckily, they have Melissa Benoist, like, so she doesn't have to, because, like, Kyler Lee, I'm sure, has other things to do, but, um, this, like, the fact that these two shows are going to be side-by-side on Sunday Mm -hmm. is what makes me, as a superhero fan and as, like, a superhero queer fan... Um so excited. This show could easily exist on its own and probably create waves. Mm-hmm. But the fact that these two shows are going to be back to back and we're gonna have Kate Kane and Alex Danvers in a back to back lineup, along with Nicole Maines as dreamer, she's a transgender superhero mm-hmm. on Supergirl, that's gonna be quite the block for superhero fans, for queer fans, like even if you're not into it for the, you know, superpowers and villain of the week and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm there is something to say about that representation and it being a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to speak on, I really loved what you said about um, the fact that this character is masculine presenting. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean for you to see a, you know, a masculine presenting mm-hmm. hero a, as a female? Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? I mean,
4: you? So as somebody who is attracted to more masculine presenting females or more like the tomboy type of woman, um, I think it's interesting for me because there's not a lot of examples of that that exist presently
0: mm-hmm.
4: on television and movies and streaming services. You know, you don't really see a ton of that. I mean, here and there, like, you get some Orange is the New Black, you get some, you know, in other places. Which your but... was also on. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed every bit of it. But, um, essentially, you don't get where has that person existed as a main character before? True. Um, I feel like this is something that's really new. It's real, really revolutionary for a lot of viewers to be able to see this on their TV. And I think while like, it means something to the queer community, obviously, you know, like this is going to be the first time I'm seeing a leading lady on TV that I'm really freaking attracted <laughs> to. Um, but... I think it's also going to be interesting for, you know, the heteros. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get something, too! <laughs> you get something, too! You know, like, it's so, it's going to be interesting to see what, how that is taken in from mm-hmm. that perspective. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I again, we referenced Supergirl. You know, the lead character is this beautiful, straight, blonde woman. Yeah, I'm still attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's a separate
3: discussion and a separate problem.
4: that like, we'll make yes, time for No, she's just Beautiful, white, cis, straight woman. Right, and that's
3: no shade to Melissa Benoit. No shade at all. No shade. No shade to every
4: other TV show that has the same thing. Right. You know, but I think I'm just so specifically excited for the show because we're actually putting somebody in the forefront, front and center, Mm -hmm. leading lady, who is a queer identified woman. Absolutely. Who actually looks like it. Absolutely. You know, who and is actually representing the community. And I feel like a more valid way than what we've seen in a lot of other representations. Oh, I fully agree. Like, I know you haven't
3: seen the movie yet. Uh, Captain Marvel, I'm sure. A lot of our listeners have. I know. I've seen it twice. I know.
4: I'm terrible. It's fine. (laughs) Fine game four
3: times, just so you all know who you're listening to. Um, Huge superhero fan. But um, I would say that Carol Danvers is a character, especially within the film, who is kind of coded queer mm-hmm. you know she's never sexualized once in the movie i would say in a way that's like towards the male gaze she's mm-hmm. always e- either in like a full-on warrior suit most of the time her Cree warrior uniform or like when she does finally change to like human-based clothing it's a pair of ripped jeans a nine-inch nails t-shirt and a leather jacket like not that a straight woman wouldn't wear that that's, that's,
4: that's <laughs> a and like
3: kind of in reference to her like they don't have a love interest for Carol in yeah. the movie, they make Which, the love interest. Thank
4: goodness, because why do so many movies need to be about women having a love interest? It's,
3: to me, it's one of the only things that ruined Wonder Woman for me. Yeah. Like, I didn't need her to be in love with Chris Pine. Like, I, I didn't need that. I, I didn't mind it, and I excused it because I was like, "Oh, that's typical." But I also can't say that like the only thing that made their love story relevant to me was the fact that the character dies. Like, spoiler alert: if you somehow haven't seen Wonder Woman, like. The character gets blown up in the end, and so you're like, oh no,
4: like that hurt. Like Diana, Chris fine because he was super dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> but, like I didn't need
3: for Diana to be attracted to somebody. Exactly. For her to feel Diana's emotion.
4: I of being a warrior mm-hmm. and being a woman and everything that she had to do with mm-hmm. the war. Like that was a story was, powerful enough on its own. It was totally
3: fine. Exactly. I think Patty Jenkins or the writers made that decision more so yeah. because of what is common mm-hmm. in commercial. Which, right. DC needed anything to get the DCEU yeah. running and moving and with a positive movie that everybody liked, mm-hmm. essentially. But going back to Captain Marvel, um, again, we have a queer-coded character who doesn't have a love interest, right. but instead, they make the true love of Carol, mm-hmm. the person that she returns to on Earth, mm-hmm. her black female best friend, who, they keep saying they're friends, but like, okay, no, again, I know you didn't see the movie,
4: I, but... I just would also like, like the audience to know that I am a blonde like very feminine and presenting
2: female
3: and my best friend hey. here is a black is not like, a Black masculine presenting lesbian. Also true. <laughs> also true. So like but again, which is why like I don't understand how you haven't seen this movie because as soon as you're gonna see it you're gonna be like, Oh my god, it's hot like, like but there's a moment where um we see these two characters, um, when we realize like, the life they had together, mm-hmm. Carol lived with Maria. They were raising her daughter together.
4: Like Kind of like how we raise our pets We together. raise our pets together. I <laughs> have a cat.
3: She has a dog. And that's fun. Like, we do say that they're cousins a little bit sometimes. <laughs> okay. But again, beside the point, what I'm trying to get to is, is that the love story that was coded into Captain Marvel was, um, in its own way, could be seen
4: as queer. Like... So I think to bring this back to Batwoman mm. and why it is so unique and so original and so revolutionary yes. is the fact that they don't need to code it. It's not coded, it it's just not is. not coded at all. It I mean, just it's, it's just right, right up front in the trailer, mm-hmm. you see this woman, and I don't know if it's her girlfriend or... It seems like it's or, a long-lost
3: love. It's, a, it's yeah. somebody that she was... Well, to talk about the comics just a little bit in focus mm-hmm. of Kate Kane which I don't know if they'll touch on this, uh, it's an option, definitely, as the character has been introduced, but Kate Kane existing in sort of the same universe as, um, or a parallel universe to Supergirl is interesting, only because Kate Kane canonically dates Maggie Sawyer, who was engaged to Alex Danvers uh, within the Supergirl universe. So we know Maggie, she's been introduced. Um, Will these two characters connect? Probably not. I do believe that Batwoman takes place in a universe separate from Supergirl. Like Supergirl, the, again, yeah, these are for non-comic listeners and for my best friend here. Supergirl takes place on Earth 38. That's different from there Earth. There are too many Earths yeah. in this universe. There are infinite. <laughs> there are infinite, is what we're going to find out in the super, in the um, in the Arrowverse crossover that will be taking place, which is another place where we're going to see Batwoman. She's going to be in the crossover once again in uh crisis on infinite earth so that's going to be super exciting for mm-hmm. fans um but and it'll be interesting to see how they tie these universes together is there an alternate universe maggie is anything possible on a superhero show so i'm excited to see where it goes i'm excited to see what we see from kate kane and this love interest mm-hmm. sort of story of saving your ex-girlfriend from the military and probably why they both got kicked out it's it's setting up tropes that I don't know how we're gonna feel about, and I think it's hard to judge them from the trailer. Yeah. But because um, it's gonna come down to execution, and I think we can trust Greg right. Berlanti with that execution.
4: So, I agree. I mean, there are, of course, some things that I'm worried about. Mm, mm. Um, first and foremost, although Ruby Rose is beautiful, although Ruby Rose <laughs> is beautiful,
3: she gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. She gonna
4: say it. Although. Mm-hmm. Acting is not phenomenal.
3: Okay, I okay I, I agree.
4: I, I love to look at her. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know how her line delivery and her scene delivery and her chemistry with the other actors. Like th- these are my concerns mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. as somebody who is going to show up for Ruby Rose, absolutely, I need to stay for the story. Mm. You know, because in twenty-two
3: episodes, which is more than likely what the show will get, that's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my concern is, can she carry that? That's a fair you know, question. And not to, like, no shade, you know? No shade. Like, I want her to be able to. And I want to believe in her. And I want to see the story. And I want to see it well done. And I think, casting-wise, you definitely gained an audience by casting Ruby Rose. It's true. It's smart.
3: Straight women want to fuck Ruby Rose.
4: Like, Valid. This <laughs> <laughs> is um,
3: the truth. Straight men want to fuck Ruby That's Rose. That's true. And, like, nobody blames you. Because, like, that is an an obnoxiously pretty person. Like, I can tell you that I'm not attracted to Ruby Rose in the slightest. She's not necessarily my type. Again, I said earlier I'm attracted to Melissa Benoit's type. Again, different issue. We'll cover it another day. But I do understand the attraction to Ruby Rose, which is why a masculine presenting Kate Kane is so important. They could have dolled her up. They could have made her Melissa Benoist 2.0. Mm-hmm. They could have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it would have been a little separate from the comics in a way, but nobody would have been like, oh, that's the complete wrong move. I totally don't understand why you did that. Mm-hmm. Melissa Benoit is super marketable. You put her in the cheerleading skirt with the blonde hair and the cape, and mm-hmm. it's like, duh, that makes sense. She looks like the all-American
4: hero. Exactly. That woman
3: sort of gets this opportunity where the character is darker, it's grittier, it's some, like, it comes from the same world as Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. where, yes, it's the, you know, the multi-billionaire playboys and playgirls, blah, blah, blah. But the character has to have an edge. And I don't think that would have been conveyed as well. And again, this is only with seeing the trailer. I don't know that it would have landed as well with a more feminine presenting actor. So I think this was a wise choice with Ruby Rose. Can she deliver on the content? Well, we'll see. I hope she does. I hope she does. I hope she does. I think that there
4: are two things I'm about, aside from you know looking at Ruby Rose mm. when I watched the trailer. Sure. Um. So one, the fact that Greg Berlanti is the producer. That's and a great way. I trust Greg Berlanti to be able to tell a queer story. Sure. You know, as somebody who may not be as into the superhero person as mm-hmm. you are, I am a Riverdale fan. Yeah. Which God only knows why I'm still a Riverdale fan. Sure. God only knows why anybody is still a Riverdale <laughs> fan, because <laughs> that show just gets keeps getting crazier and crazier. But I feel like. Riverdale, in a very unique way, has been able to tell more queer stories that are more relevant to younger viewers mm. in a nuanced way for this generation of teenagers who watch the show. Interesting. Um, because the Cheryl and Tony story, mm. is, 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 I don't know that we want to go into that.
3: I mean, but you yeah. can speak about how, I think, well done yeah. that feels mm-hmm. for viewers.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I would Mm -hmm. say as a viewer of Riverdale and as somebody who has, like, you know, him sitting here watching a very brilliant production, I feel like he has done a good job maintaining a realistic queer story between two women Sure. um, who, in a very unrealistic show, (laughs) their relationship seems to be one of the more real parts of it. Absolutely. And I
3: think you can say that about a lot of the queer relationships within the berlanti I mean, Sarah and Ava... Of Legends of Tomorrow have a strong following not because just because they're two very pretty women who kiss each other But because they feel connected to who they are as a couple these are couple. This is a couple that fights regularly about Sort of the things that they do differently Sarah's position as a leader of the legends puts her in a light where she has to kind of stand up For her crew stand up for herself and stand up for her partner in a different way And I think the show has always done a great job of keeping them romantic and sexy and yet completely grounded I think a lot of people could agree. Also, Sarah is just an all around badass. Like, well, again, this is so much more, so much a, exactly. so much of a bigger conversation. And same thing with Alex Danvers. I mean, where they've yeah. kind of lost their way a you know, back and forth with is Alex dating? Will she fall in love again? Blah blah blah. Like, it can get a little convoluted. But Alex as a character has always been strong, and her coming out story was one of the best stories I've seen handled with some with Subject matter of that nature, usually it's, we talk about it for one very special episode, and then it's either never mentioned again, or the character can become hypersexualized.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Alex never went through that. Alex never went through that. Alex went into straight adult mode. It was a late in life coming out, which we certainly don't see enough of, so I think we can definitely trust Greg Berlanti to handle this queer character.
4: I would also like to say that I'm, okay, so I said I had... Two things. Now I have three things. <laughs> <laughs> one <Whoa. laughs> Alright. So, in relation to what you were just saying, I'm excited for a gay story that is not a coming out story. Ooh. Preach on that. I'm so excited preach for a gay on story. on I think we're going to hit on this later. Yeah. So I don't want to go too deep into this now. True. But it is but, a trope. Yeah. And
3: it is a, not a harmful trope, but an overdone
4: right. one. Like, I'm tired of watching people, gay people, come out on TV. Mm-hmm. Because... Not that way anymore. Sure. I mean, it's an important story to tell. Every gay person has to go through it in their life, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I think the more we see gay characters who are already out, the more that normalizes gay characters. Yes. You know, the more that normalizes gay humans, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just a matter of acceptance. It's a matter of importance and the fact that we don't have to go through a coming out story with this character, I think is going to be critical. Um, so I'm just going to go back to point number three, Yeah, <laughs> since that's where we last left off. Um, point number three is the fact that I am really so excited um, in a way that I really haven't been for this big bad. Mm. You know, the character of Alice.
3: Played by uh, Rachel Skarsten, who queer female fans will know her from hit shows such as
4: Lost Girl,
3: and she also did a little guest stint on Winona Earp. She's got, she's got real roots with uh,
4: some of us me fangirls. Okay. As mm. somebody who was totally unaware of the Ruth, I just <laughs> think she's a total badass whenever you're watching the trailer. I mean, I she's a character that I'm interested to see more of. Mm-hmm. As somebody who's always loved, like, Lewis Carroll and Out of Wonderland, I love the concept for the character. Sure. Um, and it, it's funny, because I just... I, I love just the um, presentation of sure. the character. You know, it's a very... Um, like, borderline Mm grungy, like, very dark take Mm -hmm. on a character, and it, you know, it almost in a way reminds me of, um, fans of RuPaul's Drag Race might know, um, Mm -hmm. Katya. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the very Katya vibe. Sure. And that, like, kind of, like, dark humor, like, probably gonna be, um, just, like, a little offbeat of a character, Mm -hmm. but also somebody that you can definitely see being scared of. Sure. You know? Sure.
3: I'll say what I kind of like about the villain, too, is, yeah. and again, like, this comes from comic lore, yeah. um, but where I'm impressed with DC making the decision or the uh, DC TV, the Arrowverse, Greg Berlanti, all the casting, whatnot, where I give them a lot of credit here is just for the sake of recognition and really the end of Gotham, they could have just said, this is the female Joker. They could have yeah. just done that. You know, this is the female show, we're just going to you a female Joker, and that'll be good enough. They could have just made her the Joker just for recognition, and they didn't do it because the comics already have this character. And I'm, I'm really proud of that in another way, you know what I mean? Rather than go for that name recognition right. of a, a villain that we would know right off the bat, it's another good thing that Supergirl did in its first season. They could have immediately given us Lex Luthor and just said that was that. Instead, they pulled from their own lore to separate the character, right. and I think it was a great move for Batwoman.
4: I would agree. And, you know, and something that would have been lost with the Joker that I think we're really trying to or it seems like, you know, the producers are really trying to push with this with this show is the just the whole theme of women's empowerment and the fact that they chose a woman big bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think it could have been easy um, to choose somebody like the Joker, to mm-hmm. choose somebody who, one, is a man, and two, is more familiar to viewers, yes. just to
3: increase viewership. Absolutely. And it would have been Mm-hmm. An understandable move, not the right move, but an understandable one. Mm-hmm. Just be- because, like, honey, was in my white men, and it's the whole thing, got a whole another discussion, <laughs> but it, we would have understood
4: why a bad move would have been made. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's the fact that they did choose to make this character who is going to be the big bad mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. a woman, is a very specific choice. Absolutely. And I think it's the right choice. to would choice. Just alone, the acting looks much better than <laughs> the rest of the trailer. Um, her acting in particular. Yeah. yeah,
3: Rachel Carson in particular is very scary, mm-hmm. very menacing. Which, like, if you're, again, like, for my Lost Girlfriends, for my Winona Earth fans, we've not really seen her do that. Like, this yeah. is taking her in a whole other direction, in you know, a place that I think is going to be really fun for her. She's probably going to be a blast at cons for people who are going to see her. Like, it's, this is exciting. This yeah. is exciting. I think that. Sometimes the villain is a little bit more fun than the superhero And that
4: might that be the you case follow. on this show. And
3: that could be the I case mean, for the first I mean, we season.
4: I like, really just enjoy the villain and then also enjoy the eye candy on the side.
3: Rachel Carson could probably carry this show with her because acting. Because
4: how many shows have we seen the Spider men that are the exact same thing? Exactly.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes the villain is just more interesting and more yeah. complex. And I, I hope, of course, that Kate is fully fleshed out and fun, and arrogant, and sexy, and all of the things we've gotten from Batman, but in female rapping with Ruby Rose, like, I hope it's, I hope it's brilliant, but, uh, Rachel Carson, it looks like you're already batting a thousand, so we're excited for you. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about the new movie coming out this week called Booksmart, and why we're excited about it, and it's a very big conversation, can't wait for you guys to listen in on it. Uh, We'll be back in just a few with more of The Left of Straight Show Presents The Q. Hello and welcome back to The Left of Straight Show featuring the new podcast, The Q, with your host, Ashley Durham. I'm here with my special guest, Caroline Lebel, And we're about to break into our main uh, subject for the week. This is our main Q. Uh, Basically, it's why we're excited about the movie Booksmart which debuts this Friday uh, nationally in theaters. It's Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. Um, It's hitting theaters this week. It's getting great reviews. We're talking, like, high 90s of uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's introducing new forms of media for its viewership. Um, There was, like, a special Instagram screening last week. Um, I was too old to participate. I tried. Like, I did look at the times, but I really wanted to drink wine and watch TGIT instead of go.
4: And I looked at the times, and I had dinner reservations. So we were old. We were old. So
3: we did not think we could go. But that's (laughs) beside the point. Um, But the best part about this movie is that it genuinely looks super funny. Uh, For those who don't know what it is, the quick IMDb summary is... Um, On the eve of their high school graduation, two academic superstars and best friends realized they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall short of their peers, the girls tried to cram four years of fun into one night. I mean, I can relate. I did not party through high school. I was, let's put it this way. I was the kind of girl who didn't have a curfew, and, like, that was, like, whoa, you were a teenager without a curfew? But it was because I was always home at 11. (laughs) Like, There was never, and a like, oh my god, where are you, like, you haven't called us, they were like, are you hooking up with some boy, like, mm-hmm. mostly because, like, also the gayness, but, mm-hmm. but, like, I was never that kid, I was never, uh, the party type kid, which is why my parents trusted me, mm-hmm. which is great, I had a great relationship with them growing up, and they always trusted me, but, I totally, sort of, already feel for Amy and Molly, because they were not super into the partying, but, Talking about it in reference to this show, why are we so excited about it? Why am I so excited about it? Why is the Q so excited about it? Well, it just so happens to be a lesbian coming of age story for one of the characters. Uh, the bond between Amy and Molly is something that I think any best friend can relate to, me and Caroline included. But um, the queer, like, I feel like most queer women are also looking forward to a movie that explores the depths of just like the true awkwardness of being a gay teenager. Um, So let's talk about this personally. Why are we so excited for Booksmart?
4: So many reasons. (laughs) So many. Okay, so just to start, we are finally, not we as in, I'm sorry. So we are finally getting a movie that features two women, two women in high school who Mm -hmm. are graduating high school. We're getting their coming of age story, and it's a fucking comedy. Yeah. Like, fucking enlightened, because Mm -hmm. we have not had of comedy like this that mm-hmm. actually looks genuinely funny. True. You know, this isn't like a sisterhood of the traveling Pants, you know, <laughs> Which, like, place. no shade to the sisterhood. <laughs> no shade to the sisterhood. But, like, why haven't we had a super bad? Yeah. You know? Why Absolutely. haven't women had a super bad that's just knock out, knock out, drag down, knock out, drag <laughs> down funny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, no, but, like, like
3: it's because, like, in a way, like, some could argue, like, we have. Like, with when we had the hangover, our answer yeah. was bridesmaids. But those were, of, those were sort of those were yeah. sort of those were close together in a way that bad and Booksmart are not. And Booksmart, I think, is separate from that in this way that even still, yet, like, not to knock Bridesmaids is like an older comedy, but, it is. but 20-somethings don't bond to that movie in the same way that I think the average 30-something does. I think it's a whole different experience, um, Bridesmaids versus uh, Booksmart, if we have to compare the two as far as like comedic female experiences. These are talking about two completely different times in a woman's life. If, for instance, like, you wouldn't necessarily compare mm-hmm. The Hangover to super Bad because they're, while they're both raunchy comedies, mm-hmm. they're two different times in a man's life. Mm-hmm. And now we as women get that with Booksmart. This is a chapter of life that we experience exactly. already. Exactly. I
4: mean, I think where you, you kind of exhaust the wedding story mm. line. And the head of bridesmaids, and that's just, you know, it's a very clear connection to the two movies that are both hilarious. There hasn't been the same kind of connection to a women's coming-of-age high school graduation story. Sure. That is just purely a comedy, purely about graduation, Mm -hmm. purely about having the most fucking fun before you graduate. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there have been other stories. There have been, you know, you could pick any Emma Stone movie. You know, like EZA. I mean, EZA a is know, a, like, EZA is I think similar. EZA was
3: a moment where we were almost there, Yeah, kind of a thing, where it was yeah. about a young woman, and it mm-hmm. was a, not necessarily raunchy comedy, but it was a movie right. that focused on sex in a way that was
4: comedic. Exactly. Um, but, but, yeah. But, in that same way, I mean, I still question to this day whether or not EZA passes Bechdel. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I don't think it does. I don't think it does either, because it's about men. Yeah. This is a movie that's about two women who are best friends, And are just going to have the best fucking night Sure. in the way that there have been so many movies that have done this for men that we haven't seen in a genuinely hilarious way for women. Sure.
3: Sure. Now, one thing this movie does that I think is particularly a little bit spectacular is that it is a comedy and a coming-of-age story where one of the leads is gay. No, you could. If insert... I could make
4: like that air horn noise, I would make it. Sure. gay! <laughs> <For her laughs> we love her already. We'll do anything for Amy. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm mm-hmm. not allowed to make that noise. Yeah. You might
3: make an air horn noise. No, basically. you
4: make fun of me every time I
3: make that's it. That's not true. Okay, <laughs> okay that's <next, laughs> another conversation. Again, but um, <laughs> but again, like going back to Amy and how much we, I think, already support this character without really having met her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting about mm-hmm. this is that. It's not that we're not getting this content. I mean, I think an argument could be made that Love, Simon is a romantic comedy that at least kind of fits in the vein of where it's funny and it's a gay story and therefore we like it. But again, that was very much in the vein of being a family comedy. She's
4: responding to me making faces right now. Right. Not because I don't like Love, Simon. Yeah, I, I love Love, love and Simon. love Simon. Mm. But it's a coming out story. It is a coming
3: out story, it's which we did talk story. about a little bit, uh, but... It, And this movie is not. This movie is more about, like, not coming out, but a first queer experience. Amy has been out for I don't remember how long, but, like, her best friend knows, her parents know, all of that. She's crossed those major hurdles, and she still hasn't kissed a girl. Like, that is so highly relatable. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew I was gay when I was 12. Mm -hmm. I knew then and there that, like, something wasn't right. I wasn't attracted to boys in the way that everyone told me that I was supposed to be. And that I wasn't necessarily following um, what was kind of set for me as a preteen, basically. And then I saw an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and everything sort of clicked. <laughs> like I realized that that was the kind of relationship I wanted. I wanted to be with a woman. And I had all those realizations. And then guess what age I was when I kissed a girl? 18. Like, there was a whole six years where I didn't know what that was like to be intimate with a woman. I didn't know. I didn't, you know, there wasn't some beautiful girl in my english class who understood me and got my poetry or some shit like that and you know we fall madly let i have a secret romance like that didn't happen it was far too awkward Mm -hmm. but there was a girl in my spanish class who like i should have probably said something but that's entirely different if she's listening hey what's up (laughs) (laughs) hey girl from spanish class (laughs) oh no (laughs) but um but no like it's that relatable experience it's not sexualizing amy Mm -hmm. or putting her through trauma in a way that's, you know, a coming out story or making it sad or desperate. Like, I feel like teenage girls, it's very easy to put us in, or put them rather, us being, I was one once, you know, put them in that vein as being hyper dramatic or just making the situation so filled with dread mm-hmm. that um, you can't really laugh through it. And I think that that's what makes me most excited about Book Smart is that this character is doing funny shit with her best friend for you know, two hours. That mm-hmm. excites me, because I don't, don't think that's the story I was able to get or latch onto to in my youth. Mm-hmm. you know, And I hope to as an adult. I agree. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I think there's something about these two characters and the way that they're presented that is so familiar mm-hmm. and that is so comforting as yeah. a viewer to be able to watch. Um, I mean, from the trailer, I mean, literally me as a person, the main character has a shrine on her desk that includes such legends as Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm-hmm. and Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there and we're seeing this girl, we're getting a clear picture of who she is, what she believes in. Yes. And I love the fact that it is just such a feminist movie yes. too. Mm-hmm. You and
3: know? for those who haven't seen the trailer, the character we're referring to is uh, Beanie Feldstein's Molly. And uh, Amy is played by Caitlin Dever. Dever, not sure if I'm pronouncing that totally correctly, but these are the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but if you haven't seen the trailer, stop what you're doing. Hit up, hit pause on us real quick. Go over to YouTube. Check out the Red Band trailer because it is hysterical. It is just hysterical. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I should have put that on. yeah. But we're already here. We're so. here. We're here. If you we're haven't here. seen the trailer yet, the movie's coming out this week. Like, what are you doing?
4: What are you doing? Truly, what what <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs>
3: Um, what are some examples of queer characters that maybe you've bonded with in the past that may have fallen short in a way that you're excited to maybe not see Amy go there? Like is there is there anyone that you've had that sort of connection with and gone, woof? you could have gone a step further?
0: Hmm.
4: I mean, I think I'm probably gonna need a second to think about sure. that. Okay. Um, but how about you?
3: <sighs> there are lots. There are lots. Um, but for me, like like what I said earlier, like one of my first queer characters that I ever made a connection with was Willow Rosenberg off uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which if you've met me,
4: I'm nothing like Willow Rosenberg.
3: I think the only thing we have in common I is that, I think the only thing we have in common is the fact that we're both kind of nerdy, but I'm nowhere near as like I'm not the brainiac as the way that Willow was. And I'm definitely not as shy or timid as she was in the earlier seasons. And I definitely can't say that like I establish a lot of her character traits. But I did enjoy the character, and also I think I'm kind of like throwing a show under the bus that was in a different time sort of a thing, like the WB and UPN weren't giving the same allowances to a queer character, like it was a whole season and a half before Willow and Tara even kissed on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so we're talking about a couple that's never truly got to due to be affectionate in a way, but still taught me so much about what I should expect from a relationship, somebody who understands me, somebody who... Um, loves and supports me, or called me out when I've done wrong, sort of thing. That was what I learned from Willow and Tara, and I loved them for it. Um, another character that I had a huge bond with, but met an untimely fate and definitely could have been done better, I think you already know where I'm going with this, Jose uh, Washington of Orange is the New Black. I mean, this was a character who I think they initially brought out, and I immediately bonded with that character. I think a lot of us did in our own ways, whether we were protective of her or we felt like she was us. Um, this character meant a lot to a lot of people, and then to see her killed off in a way that was a message, but still felt unceremonious to a lot of the fans, and killing off one of their best characters, um, it hurts because it falls into the same like barrier gaze trope that we've seen, you know, uh, seen unfortunately throughout the years as um, as queer content followers. Uh, it hurts when our characters are killed off, and l- I hope nobody <laughs> gets killed off in Booksmart, like. That would be kind of tragic to witness.
4: I, I would be surprised to see any stray bullets in a high school coming of age story. I <laughs> would be shocked. I would be shocked if Amy <laughs> somehow doesn't survive her night of uh tomfoolery. I mean, but they, they did pack quite the bag of hand sanitizer and chapstick.
3: They seem so. prepared. But that's kind of one of the things that makes me so excited about Booksmart is that once again, like, and I think this is, by saying once again, this is a conversation I feel like a lot of queer women have when we talk about seeing our stories portrayed, is that this is another example of a movie that I think is going to be successful because it's not steeped in tragedy and it's not tied to it's not the same like oh like keep these women apart you know dude in the middle that I don't give a shit about like I, for instance I think we brought this up earlier like we were talking before because we also live together but um, we brought up the movie Carol you know a movie that we both love hello Kate Blanchett like are we ever not going to show up <laughs> like name a day because it's not happening But it's a great movie, but a lot of the time I watch it and I realize that I don't care about the character of Harge. Um, He's tragic. He's the foil of the movie. He's basically just there to drive a wedge between Carol and Therese and give their story of, you know, conflict. But he's not essential to their love or their love story, which is what I'm actually there for. I'm there to see Rooney Mara swoon over Kate Blanchett in the same way that I'm going to because I get it. That's what I bond with. And it's a period piece, and I understand that kind of by steeping itself in a different time, it kind of lends itself to tragedy because of how poorly people of, you know, any any minority was treated in that time. We kind of can't help but lean towards tragedy. But again, this is why I'm excited for Booksmart. It's a modern movie. It's a current movie that talks about where we are now in terms of uh, at least our youth, I think, which kind of gives me Excitement for where we're heading, and also a little bit of dread because, like in the movie, we see that um, these characters—they've worked really hard and they've studied their asses off. One valedictorian, and yet the people who have partied and gone too hard and whatnot, all through uh, all through high school, gotten to the same school as they did. It introduces an interesting conflict as to where we are as a society, and I'm excited about that. Without putting these girls in a place where, like. They're being separated by their parents, or, you know, Amy is, you know, put into a uh, w- uh, a conversion camp, like in The Miseducation of uh, Camera Post. Again, not that it's not an important film. That is an important film. People should see it. But I'm very excited for people to see this movie because it gives queer characters a positive moment.
4: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree completely. And I think just what we were saying earlier when we touched on Love, Simon, mm. and the way that... That is a beautiful story, Absolutely. but it is so steeped in the tragedy of Simon's coming out, being taken from him. Yeah. you know, um, mm-hmm. It is a beautiful story, and it's a love story, and it is a beautiful story of family, mm-hmm. but there is a very tragic moment in Simon's coming out that has nothing to do with his family, and mm-hmm. it's the fact that it was not his own choice. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like- um, but generally, I think seeing these two characters and just their, their joy, mm-hmm. you know, and their hilarity and their ability to just be light and in this movie's ability to just be light mm-hmm. um, in a way that we haven't seen in so many queer stories, you know, without having to make it about, you know, a woman leaving her husband, right? yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. something that is just so much heavier and worthwhile, mm-hmm. a story that is worthwhile but a story that we haven't really seen from the queer perspective. Absolutely. You know, that, like, I'm just so excited to watch these two girls have a fucking blast together, you know? Like, and for being gay not to be the biggest part of the story. You yes. know, like, this story could happen with two straight women. Sure. The story could happen with straight men. The story could happen with any kind of characters you want to put into this story. Absolutely. Um, and it's just a story of growing up. Mm. It's a story of coming out, and one of the characters just so happens to be gay.
3: Which yeah, is life. Like, that is
4: real life. It's almost a modern American pie. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> with like, all
3: the shade to those movies and sort of what they promote and like, talk, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. And a complete wrong message when it comes to, like, losing your virginity and whatnot. Like, but,
4: again. Bitch, you really gonna fuck a pie? <laughs> like That was, like,
3: and that's, like, the climax of the movie. But, again, we're not here, like, about <laughs> out of the 90s. But, like, it's a mess. It's a mess. And the fact that teen stories are becoming more nuanced. Yeah. to the levels of a love, Simon, of a, to all the boys I've loved before, if we're talking about a, non, a, a non-queer a non story that people connected with, because it was somehow steeped in a better, in a, in a more realistic reality of being a teenager. Sure, is it still hyper-stylized, and yes, these kids are living in massive houses
4: that, like, of don't exist in real life, of course. but um, there's something so genuine. Yeah, About the story that's being told. Absolutely. And I think that is what's going to resonate with audiences more than anything else. Absolutely. And I hope it does. Yeah. I hope it's a huge success, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to see it opening weekend. Yeah, we're going Memorial Day weekend
3: because, like, it's Memorial Day weekend. We have time. Good <laughs> job. We have time.
4: Like, we have time for this. We're
3: going to make time for this.
4: Exactly. And I, that was, yeah.
3: I think, um, interesting. I sent you a New York Times article mm-hmm. about the story and, like, why people are super excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. Just It basically talks about this movie isn't afraid to be about queer characters, and it doesn't have to seat them in tragedy to do so, um, which kind of, like, reignited our excitement about this movie, which I'm sure, sh- like, sure, like, that's what press is for, that's what articles are for, and all of the podcasts and whatnot that Olivia Wilde and the cast have been doing is for, but this article in particular, if you haven't checked it out, oh, what's the
4: headline on it again? It is. Smart and How Hollywood Stopped Fearing Lesbian Teens. Exactly, and it
3: kind of goes into um, a lot about how usually like the lesbian character is perceived as aggressive or um, just just hyper, what's, what's like the terms that I'm looking for here?
4: Um, I mean, I think the one article that, or the one example that this article gave that I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. that I had never really thought about in the same way before, was Janice Ian yes. from Mean Girls? Yes. And the way that the concept um, of her being a lesbian was portrayed as something that was so so fearsome mm-hmm. and so horrific mm-hmm. that she would need to create a whole revenge plot in order to get back at Regina George for starting such a narrative. Exactly.
3: I had never thought yeah. about that character in that context before mm-hmm. really sitting that, because like. When I think about Mean Girls, I think about being in the 8th grade and seeing that movie for the first time. I don't, I'm thinking it was super funny. Because it is, and it holds up as a classic for our generation. It is for a classic. Generation.
4: It will be a classic. Like, it will continue on. It is terrible. There's glory and infamy. It, it is. It, it's great. It, I mean, it's there, to this day, there are still music videos being made Thank in this you. style. Hello, Ari
3: Sorry. <laughs> but no, but I, I do agree with that. Yes. It's just I didn't ever think about the fact that Janice's whole revenge plot comes from the fact that Regina made the school think that Janice was a lesbian. That's the whole, without that moment in Janice and Regina's history, the movie itself does not exist. They don't go into it, they don't show us that day, which I think would paint the movie in an entirely different light if they had like the pool party scene where Janice doesn't show, like Janice isn't invited, you know, because it's a bunch of girls in their bathing suits. Like, is that all said? Yes, but in, that, in the time where that idea was presented in 2004, right? It was like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, god damn. Like that's, you painted this character as gay, and therefore she was villainized by her entire school. You could make that a very dark movie. Mm-hmm. You could make that, that. There's a whole separate movie where Janice, you know, hurts herself or something like that, and it becomes a very different movie. But Mean Girls is a comedy, and it'll always stay mm-hmm. a comedy. And it's, it, this article doesn't rag on Mean Girls for mm-hmm. doing what it did, because obviously it did it successfully, but it, it did give pause for a moment right. to think about how Janice was affected by a sort of outing that wasn't really an outing, mm-hmm. you know?
4: Because it, in the movie, she does end up with a man mm-hmm. at the end of it. Mm-hmm. She does.
3: How different would that have been if she ended up with a woman?
4: Like I wish.
3: How different would that have been? Rewriting if she was like, me I am gay.
4: For 2019.
3: Oof. I mean. That's the concept. Do they, like, I know there is a Mean Girls 2 that exists, but, like, people don't like to talk about, but if there were to be a real Mean Girls 2, mm-hmm. there would have to
4: be so many more gay characters. So many. There would have to be so many more.
3: Oh, uh, which excites me. That should happen. It should. That should happen. We should write that. We say we're going to write a lot of things. <laughs> we say that a lot. Um,
4: um, but aside from that, I mean. Yeah. I think you go from the treatment of not even a gay character, but the concept of a gay character. Mm, mm. You know, the concept, not necessarily of a gay character, because you have Damien. You yeah. know, you have somebody who is a gay male who is loved, like, you sure. love beloved for his gayness. Right. But it's a cliched stereotype. It's that totally we have. a cliched you know. stereotype. But it is portrayed very differently from Janice's fear of being a lesbian mm-hmm. and everybody else's fear in reaction mm. to that assumption. Yes.
3: Because mm. Damien still isn't well-received no. by his school. Like, he gets a shoe thrown at him at the talent right. show. Like, yeah. it, Again, this, Mean Girls could have been a, so much of a darker movie. Like, it really could have been. But instead, it stays in the vein of being a funny movie about a revenge plot against exactly. three very bitchy teenage girls. Which is exactly. why the movie works. And why we all still see it in a positive light.
4: Exactly. So
3: that being said, what are our hopes and dreams? Book smart as it comes out, like what do we hope to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Um, when we go Memorial Day weekend, what do we hope for?
4: I want it to be funny. Mm. I want it to be funny. I want the characters to be relatable. I want the writing to be good. I want them to be realistic. Yeah, I want to believe that they are best friends. Mm. You know, I want the story to be good above all else, and then I want it to be gay as (laughs) hell.
3: Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. As for my own sort of expectations out of the movie, again, like, I remember seeing Superbad in the theater. Mm -hmm. Like, my aunt asked me what me and my little sister and my cousin wanted to do that day. I was maybe 14 at the time, 14 or 15, and she took us to go see it because obviously we couldn't get it on our own, and I remember just cracking up Mm -hmm. at this movie. And is is Superbad a perfect comedy? No, but at the time... It was hysterical to me. It under like it understood how I spoke as as an as a young adult, and I hope that this movie captures what it is to be an intelligent, aware of herself, just young female. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to see these characters like, and I, of course I trust Olivia Wilde to capture that voice. I listened to a really interesting podcast with her. Actually, I believe she did this with Black Girl Nerds, but she talked about how. Um, or maybe this was on keep it, that's not important. Um, But she talked about how being 17 years old, being 18 years old, and at that time, like, we make fun of kids and we tell them, like, oh, you don't understand how, like, you're being so dramatic. Like, life is going to get so much more complicated. When you are 17 and 18 years old, the anxiety of everything around you is just so high. And it's very easy for adults to forget what that was like. And to be little kids for that, and this movie could do that, absolutely, I haven't seen the whole movie. But I don't think, I think that this movie is too aware of itself, and its characters, and what they have to kind of represent. And I think that these are going to be two very realized young women, and that's why I'm so excited to see that from a queer perspective, we really don't, like, what Amy could be, we don't have another Amy. We really don't. And you could, yeah, you could write in about other characters about on, um on smaller tv shows on things like that like yeah that does exist but i'm talking about the platform that lydia wilde has managed to set up for this movie people are hyped about this movie it was raved and reviewed at south by southwest and now it's getting a major theatrical release this is why this movie is important and i'm super excited to see this fully realized character directed by what who i think is a brilliant woman and actress on a movie that just looks so fun like i'm excited to laugh at this movie. I'm excited to laugh with it. I'm excited to see um, just the directorial vision of Olivia Wilde come through. And I hope that we are given a queer character that means as much to us as um, a Pousse Washington, as a Willow Rosenberg, as a uh, Alex Danvers, as we mentioned earlier. Like I hope that we have someone that really means something to people. I'm excited about that. I am. So with that, we are done with the main queue and uh, we'll be back to kind of wrap things up. Alright, so as we wrap up our show today, I just want to take a quick moment to first of all thank my special guest, my roommate, my best friend, Caroline Liddell, for being here today. Thank you so much,
4: Caroline,
3: Liddell. for any Thoughts. People can hear it. But I um, also thank you guys for listening in to Left of Straight and to this intern takeover with your preview of the queue. Uh, please follow along with us on Instagram and Twitter at Left of Straight, that's L-E-S-T-O-S-S-T-R and the number eight, just for those who looking who are looking for us, and also on our Facebook page at the uh, Left of Straight show. Uh, you can also feel free to follow me on Twitter at Local Black Nerd. Caroline, you are free to pull your Twitter if you so choose. I'll follow
2: me. <laughs> oh, that's a hard. That's
3: a hard task. That's the hardest
4: task. Unless you're Ruby Rose, then you can follow me. <laughs> you can find us in the DM anytime.
3: But yeah, feel free to follow me at Local Black Nerd on Twitter. Uh, and please follow us. Follow Lester Straight on uh Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your comments. Uh, thank you to Lester Straight for debuting us today. Uh, we look forward to launching hopefully towards the end of summer, and I will see you guys then next time, I'm Ashley Durham and uh, that was a cue.